Let's pray together as we get started. Father, it's good for us to take a moment, meditate on those verses, God, and really try to block out every other distraction, um, maybe things that we brought with us today, things that we were focusing on or thinking about or stressed about or anxious about. God, I pray that we would just reflect on the meaning of those words. And as we now prepare to get into the message today, God, that you would speak to us. God, because we know that you want to grow fruit in us and you have commanded us to abide in you, to remain in you, to seek after you with all of our heart. And God, we want to do that. But as we so often see in our lives, God, our, our spirit is willing to do that, but the flesh is weak. And so would you help us do that? Um, would you help us to abide in you, remain in you so that you can grow fruit in us. As we open up your word, I pray that you would speak to us today because God, we need to hear from you. We need to be encouraged by your word. And God, I pray that you would encourage us today. We ask all of this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you got a Bible, open it up to the book of John. We're going to hang out just for a little bit in John chapter 15, the first couple verses, and then we're going to go to John chapter 6. Very similar to the message last week in the, in the text, we're going to, uh, like I said, be in John 15 and then a little bit in John 6. Hopefully spend the majority of our time today in John chapter 6. And all this is really just a primer, as I told you last week, before we get into the gospel according to John. And we're going to do that after we do this Abide series. So the 1st of February, we're going to dig into the gospel of John. I'm really, really excited about that. But we always take at the beginning of the year uh, some time to set aside to pray and to fast. And I know we are now into the first week of the fast, and probably most of you hate me. And that's okay. I'm willing to be hated for your sake, all right? As Paul said, we, we work together with you for your joy. And I know sometimes that is, uh, as you're fasting, maybe fasted from food or fasted from certain types of food or sugar. I know in my house, uh, that mindset has been like, oh, why are we doing this fast again? And so I, I know it's, it's a struggle. It's hard for all of us, but we are into the first week of it. I promise it does get better because we set aside this time to pray and to fast these 21 days because we want to abide in Jesus. We want to make sure that we are abiding, remaining, focusing on him more than any other thing in our life. And we're willing to actually go without food like Jesus himself did, because that food gets into the way a lot of times, as we're going to see even again today, it can get in the way of, of just our focus. And so you take food away, you remove something, you replace it with something, because then whenever you're hungry, whenever you want that thing that you took away, it reminds you to pray. And so I hope you've been praying this week in this first week of thinking about abiding in Christ. And now before we get into the second week, which the focus is pruning, I want to talk today about that process to kind of prepare us for week two of the fast. So let's go John chapter 15, verse one and two. It says this, I am the true vine, same verses we looked at last week, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, we'll talk about fruit in week three, 
But what we got to understand this time is a part of the process is pruning. You know, I told you last week, our mission as a church is to love Jesus, grow people. It is built on the person of Jesus. And that's who we talked most about last week. Obviously, I'll talk more about him today. But I want us to talk a little bit about the process of growth as well, because it's, un- it's important for us to understand that process, because if we don't understand the process of what God is actually going to do to grow us, then we can bow out of the process. And the whole process that we have as a church is built on the parable that's a lot of times called the parable of the soils, where you see the four different soils. But I like to refer to it as the parable of the seed, because you see the four steps that it goes through. And if we're not aware of that process, then we will bow out of the process and we will miss the growth that God wants to do in our life. So if you're taking notes, here's the first part I want you to write down. The first point is this, and I got a lot of alliteration for you today, and I got to be honest with you, I'm kind of proud of it, all right? And so I want you to be proud with me. But here's the first thing I want you to write down. Pruning is a part of the process in producing fruit. Pruning is a part of the process in producing fruit. The reason why it's so important for us to understand the process again is because when we start going through this process of pruning, we will actually think that God has left us. We will actually think that God has taken his hands off of us. But what Jesus said in John 15, one and two is actually, no, when God is pruning you, his hands are actually all over you. When God is actually cutting back things in your life, He has actually got his hands intimately involved in your life. But isn't it the exact opposite of how we feel? When we are being pruned, we actually think God is so distant. God is not involved, that he doesn't care, that he's not concerned. And this is where a lot of people, again, fall away in the process because no one ever loved them enough to tell them that pruning was a part of it. And that's why I love you. And that's why I'm telling you this, because I want you to know why. Because when the pruning starts, if you don't continue to abide, you're never going to see any fruit. When the pruning starts, you're just going to prove that you were a dead branch and you were actually cut off, not cut back. And so we have to understand that pruning's a part of it. In fact, I have a quick reference verse here for you. I do have it on the screen. You can write it down if you want. You don't have to turn there. But Hebrews 12, 11, the writer of Hebrews says this. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Isn't that true? But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Who have been trained by it. And this is the thing when it comes to training, right? Anything that you do, anything that you want to be good at, they say it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. And so if you really want to get good at something, you're going to have to train. You're going to have to physically train. Now, again, this is the beginning of the year, and we're all really excited about losing weight. That'll wane, right? But this idea of of going to the gym, of working out, right? I was having a conversation with my 17-year-old son the other day, and he was talking about working out, and he's like, oh, I hate to go work out. And I said, why? And he loves working out. He's like, well, it's January. He's like, it's the first two weeks of the year where everybody's there and the gym is crowded. He's like, I can't wait till the first two weeks is over, and then I can go, and there's not a lot of people anymore. And I thought, man, that is so true of us. Why? Because if you're going to get good at something, you have to commit to train. You have to commit to go through the process. 
And the process of pruning is always painful. Don't let anyone lie to you. It's not fun, which is why most people, most of us a lot of times don't see a lot of fruit is because we are not willing to hang on during the painful process. Another point you might want to write down. We have to go through the painful process to get the peaceful fruit. We have to go through the painful process to get the peaceful fruit. I mean, we see this in sports all the time, right? Whoever is the champion at the end of the year is the one who was willing to endure the most pain, is the one who was willing to endure the painful process of their coaches and their leaders and people cutting them back all the time, cutting back what they could eat, where they could go, the things that they could do. Most people simply don't see the fruit at the end because they weren't willing to go through the process in the middle. And that's why I'm saying to you and why Jesus said to us, hey, if you really want to go and see fruit, if you really want to grow, you got to understand the process. The process is painful because it involves God pruning you. And when God is pruning you, that is when he is the most involved. And that's why we have to talk back to ourselves when our sin, the flesh, the devil speaks to us and says, if God really loved you, your life wouldn't be painful. If God really loved you, this process wouldn't be painful. But this is where you have to understand when the devil is talking the loudest, it's when God is working the hardest. When, when God is working the most in our lives, he's speaking the loudest and trying to get us off track. And so as we enter into week two of the fast, what we have to understand is pruning and therefore pain is a part of the process. Now go to John chapter six. All right. John chapter six. We ended the message last week looking at some scripture in John chapter six. And now I'm going to kind of pick up not exactly where we left off. And, and I don't feel so bad because every time I use scripture, I, I hate using a lot of scripture because I don't like to just gloss over it. I like to dig into it. But I'm giving myself a little bit of grace in this one because I know we're going to come back to this in a few months, all right? Because we're going to be, be preaching through the book of John. And so I've taken some of the verses out in this whole section. But what you need to know, the story in John chapter 6 is when Jesus fed the 5,000. When he took a few loaves, a few fish, and he fed a bunch of people. And we ended last week talking about how we are to work for the food that really endures. That's why we cut out food. We cut out fat. That's why we fast. We cut these things out because we want what really endures. And so it's in that same vein that this story, this is all kind of one story that's happening. Jesus just fed all these people, and now he's teaching them. And he's teaching them to work for something beyond just food. Now we're going to pick it up in verse 56 and 57. All right, I'm going to read these two verses to you. And just a little warning. They're a little weird, sound weird, but I'll explain them to you. All right. John 6, 56 through 57. Jesus says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, told you it sounded weird. All right. Abides in me. You'll see why now I chose this text. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, and I live because of the father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Now, Jesus is not a vampire, all right? He's not advocating actually eating his flesh. He's not a cannibal, right? 
He's not advocating you eat his flesh and you actually drink his blood. But what he is talking about is symbolically what we now call communion or the Lord's Supper. Now, he's not just talking about the physical act of occasionally taking some, a wafer and drinking some juice, which, by the way, we will do at the end of this series. We always break our fast together by taking communion together. And so we will do that. Even if you're online, you can take communion together with us the last week of this series. And so metaphorically speaking, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, when we really want to partake or remain or abide or participate in him more than anything else, then we are actually abiding in him. And what's interesting is this word here, feed on my flesh. I just thought this was funny. The literal meaning of it is to chomp or to eat with loud chewing sounds. You have anybody in your life that likes to chomp? I, I got some chompers in my life, all right? People that just, I mean, just they make noises as they eat. Like, bro, I know you're enjoying that, but could you spare the rest of us, right? Which I guess their mama never told them to close their mouth when they choose their food, chew their food. But that's the picture here. And again, Jesus isn't saying literally start chomping on his flesh, all right? Or, or drinking his blood. What is he saying though? The habit of eating is something we have to do every day to sustain life, right? And so what Jesus is saying in the same type of way, we have to develop the habit of feasting on him every day to sustain life. So in the same type of way, our life so much revolves around chomping on food, eating food, drinking he says, listen, that same type of fervor, that same type of passion, that same type of life that you give to that, I want you to give to me. And if you do that, you'll abide in me. So that's the principle, right? That's what we've been talking about. That's what abide is all about. Now, when Jesus said this, and you have to remember, John chapter 6 came before John chapter 15, obviously. And when Jesus said this, the people that were listening to him we're like, this dude is strange. This dude is weird. What, what, what in the world is he talking about? Now, all this is going to apply to pruning. I'll show you how. Now, skip ahead to verse 60. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, this is why it had to be hard. Everybody's like, I wish I could follow Jesus in the flesh. Oh, well, you want somebody that knows your thoughts all the time and is going to say them publicly? I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, right? Me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? Not me sacrilegious at all. I'm just saying, don't think they had it better than you. We're grumbling about this. He said to them, do, not, do you take offense at this? So here's what you got to understand. Here's Jesus teaching, and he's teaching them the principle. He's teaching them the principle to sustain life in the same way that our parents have to teach us how to eat, how to take care of ourselves to sustain life. Jesus is teaching them the principles of how to sustain spiritual life, feed on him, abide in him, drink in him. This is why he always spoke like this in this same chapter is where he said, I am the bread of life. And so he's talking about what really is going to sustain our soul is him. 
And they're listening to this and they're grumbling amongst themselves. And they said, man, this is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to that? And Jesus, knowing that they were grumbling, I love it, says, do you take offense at this? Now, this word here, offense, literally is the Greek word. I'm going to say it, and you'll probably recognize the English word, scandaliso. It's where we get our English word, scandalous. Jesus asked them, do you find this to be scandalous? You're taking offense to something that I'm telling you that's hard. Now, how does this apply to abiding? Here's what you need to know. When you abide in Jesus... He's going to tell you some hard things. He's going to say some hard things to you. He's going to say some hard truths to you. And it's in those moments when he says hard things to us, how we respond will determine whether or not we abide. How we respond to the hard things that what he says Are we going to treat it like it's scandalous, like Jesus is crazy for saying these things to us? And and, and please understand, especially in 21st century, and you know this, you live in the world that I live in, it's becoming harder and harder to be Christian, isn't it? Which people freak out about that, and people have been freaking out about that, and this is why we all freak out about elections, because we look to people to save us. But here's what I want you to know. It's only going to get harder to follow Christ. But I'm one of those weird people that actually gets excited about it. Here's why. Because it's always been hard to follow Christ. It just was easier in the culture you lived in because no one was calling you out on it. But now as people call you out on that, like, oh, you actually believe that? You actually think that marriage is between one man and one woman? You actually think that you shouldn't live together before you get married? You actually think that what the Bible says about tithing is true? You actually think that? Yeah. Why? Because it's what he says. And so Jesus is going to say some hard things. And this is where you got to understand about the painful process of pruning. If you take offense to it and you think, man, who, who can listen to that? then you're going to miss out on the fruit that you could have had because you weren't willing to let Jesus prune away the things in you that you wouldn't submit to him. That is why the, painful, the process is painful. The process is painful because Jesus' words come face to face with our lifestyles, don't they? Come face to face with our culture. Come face to face with how we live. And Jesus has a unique way of calling us out. He goes on, look at this, verse 62. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Now understand what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you want real life, If you want a fulfilling life, and and later in John 15, he says, I say all these things that your joy may be full. If you want fruit, if you want abundance, if you want results, if you want transformation, then you're going to have to let Jesus' words confront you. You're going to have to let Jesus' words offend you. You're going to have to let it 
come face to face with you. But here's the promise that he says. He says, the spirit gives life. Notice it was a capital S referring to the Holy Spirit. And then he says this phrase, the flesh is no help at all. And then he says, my words are spirit and life. So let me, let me tell you or do my best to explain to you in a few minutes how this all works. So we know the Trinity of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, the Father, we've seen him in this passage in John 15. He's the vine dresser, one's done the cutting. The Son is the, one, is the vine that we abide in. And then the Spirit's role Jesus himself said this in John 16. The Spirit's role is to take everything that the Son said and apply it to you. To take everything that the Son said and to bring it to you. To remind you of it. Because we walk now, as Paul says, by the Spirit. Romans 8, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? Well, here's how. We abide in his word. So if you want more of the spirit's power in your life, it's the same way like in Genesis 1, the spirit was hovering over the face of the deep to bring it forth. If you will hover over the face of the Bible, the spirit will meet you there. And he will bring forth the new life that you want. So if you want to meet the spirit, and this is why, you know, no offense to people who you know, try to find God out there in other places. I don't mean to be offensive, but you don't have to go hug a tree to find the Spirit. You don't have to play a drum or say Hare Krishna a lot to find the Spirit. You don't have to do these supernatural kind of esoteric things that a lot of people do, chant and all that kind of stuff. What you got to do to find the Spirit is read his words. Read the words of the Bible. Read Jesus's words, but John 1 tells us because the word is Jesus. So the spirit is obsessed with Jesus and Jesus is the word. So therefore he's obsessed with the word. So if you want this, you have to listen to Jesus's words. You have to study Jesus's words, which is why I like preaching through books of the Bible and why we're going to tackle the book of John. And I'll get into this when we get into February, but I would highly encourage you to read the entire book of John multiple times. Because as you read it multiple times, multiple times, multiple times, the word starts getting into you. And you start thinking like John thought. You start thinking what John was telling us about who Jesus was. But here's what I need you to see. If you miss that when you read his words, what the Spirit is going to do when you read those words is he's going to convict your heart. He is going to illuminate your mind. He's going to show you, hey, you're out of whack with the word. That's my version of a real theological principle, all right, called sanctification. What is sanctification? You're out of whack with the word. Someone should define it like that. Give me credit for it when you do, all right? So simply, the Spirit's job is to sanctify you, which is to bring you in line with the Word. That's His job. That's what He is here for. And He will continue to do that until the Word returns. And why is He getting you in line with the Word? So that when the Word returns, you're in line with the Word. You with me when I say that? So here's Jesus talking to His disciples saying, listen, you got to understand, the spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. 
So again, back to the thought process from last week. If the flesh is no help, then why do we spend so much time on the flesh and so little time in the word? If the flesh is no help, it's no help. (laughs) Not a little help, not a minuscule help, not some help, none. No help. But the spirit gives life and his words are where the life is found. Thank you. So if we will dig into the word, then the spirit will prune us and fruit will be grown. Now let's go on verse 64. But there are some of you, Jesus says, who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe. Again, Jesus is amazing like that. And who it was who would betray him. Verse 65, and he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my father. Verse 66, one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walk with him. Now, don't miss this. I don't know if Bible uh, translators or especially in the ninth century when they put chapter and verses to the text, because I've told you all before, the chapter and verses aren't inspired Um, and sometimes where they put chapters and verses, I'm like, that's a weird place to put it, but this is a pretty cool one here. And by pretty cool, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but notice that was John chapter six, verse 66. Let me say that again. If you didn't catch it for those in the back, John chapter six, verse 66, six, 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 three sixes. And what is three sixes significantly? The book of Revelation tells us that's the Antichrist, the sign of the Antichrist. Now, there have been a lot of conversations about Antichrists, vaccines, chips being put in, Bill Gates, all this mess, and people freak out about all that stuff. You don't want to know what the ultimate sign of the Antichrist is? You turn away from Jesus. That's the ultimate sign. And this is what amazes me about Christians. Everybody's like, I ain't getting the chip. But they don't worry about following Jesus. I'm not getting a tattoo or my forehead credit card. It's a sign of the devil. All these Christians getting all into these conspiracy theories, but yet they don't let Jesus' words define them. Church, hear me. I am far less concerned about a vaccine and far more about you not turning away from Jesus. See, John 6, 66 is the saddest verse. Why? Because they didn't understand the process of pruning. They turned away. Now, here's what you got to understand. The Bible says disciples, disciples turned away. Now, automatically, your mind goes to, well, I thought the disciples were people who, who followed Jesus. Well, by the strictest definition of the term, yes. Disciple means I'm a student of a teacher. And in their day, they taught, not like in university systems like we have in our day where everybody comes and sits in a class. They taught, were taught by rabbis and they would follow the rabbi around and then he would teach them as they went. If you've ever been to Israel, you understand just by the terrain about there's a lot of walking that goes on. 
And so Jesus walked around all over, which is what rabbis would do, and people would just follow him and listen to the teaching. So there was a lot of people listening to the teaching of Jesus that were a student of Jesus, but turned away from Jesus. That didn't, here's the defining difference, as you'll see later in the text. They didn't trust Jesus. And that's what pruning does. Pruning, pruning is the process of cutting away sin. And sometimes it's the process of cutting away sin in people that have trusted Jesus. And sometimes it's the process of actually cutting out sinful people. And that's where it's scary. It's, it's a process that none of us like to think about because it's like, whoa, 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 were these, were these disciples that turned back, were they, are they Christians? Well, they no longer walked with him. They no longer walked with him. Why? Because the painful process was too painful. They wouldn't let the word offend them and cut them back. They said, I'm out. This is too hard. Who can listen to this? So it's not my place to tell you whether or not someone is or is not saved. It's just my place to tell you what the process is. And it's my place to encourage you that when the hard words come, don't turn back. When the hard sayings come that offend you, don't turn away. You keep abiding. You keep remaining. You keep staying in relationship with Jesus. As mad as you are at him, as frustrated as you are at him, as, as, as confused as you are with the process, don't leave. Don't go. Don't turn back. You keep walking with him. And know that the painful process will produce peaceful fruit. But see, they turn back. Here's why, and I wrote this point down. You can write it down too. Those that follow Jesus just for the food fall away from the faith. Those that follow Jesus just for the food fall away from the faith. Now, again, you got to remember context. When Jesus is feeding 5,000 people, everybody's in on Jesus, right? What do you mean this cat can, can take some fishes and loaves and he can feed us? Sign me up. And then Jesus starts talking about eat my flesh, drink my blood. I'm out. Right? Now, we read this and we're like, why did they do that? Let me ask you a question. How many of us have done the same thing? I've been pastor now for 20 years. I cannot tell you how many people have turned back and turned away the moment it got hard. And as a pastor, I, I got to tell you, man, I weep over this. It breaks my heart over this. Even in this pandemic, there's things that we have said that people are like, that's too hard. I'm out. I don't like that. I'm out. You didn't do this. I'm out. And that's okay. Maybe their time was done. You know, there are other churches. We're not the only church in the kingdom of God. Praise God. Bless them. We try to bless them on the way out. However, I have to wonder sometimes, 
Because unfortunately, a lot of people that leave never land anywhere. And then I see them later and they're not involved in any local body of Christ. Why? Because when the heat got too hot, they left. When it got too hard, <laughs> you mean I got an RSVP to come to church? People have said that, a lot of people. Now, is RSVPing fun? Heck no, man. It's dumb. Do we like it? No, we hate it. I wish we weren't doing it. But if it's worth it to you, you'll do it. Now, for those of you that are watching online, I'm, I'm not talking about you, all right? It's totally fine. If, if the, for medical reasons and all kinds of things, you can't gather with us in person. I am not talking bad about that. What I'm saying is simply this. All the pandemic did and all politics did was made it harder to follow Jesus. But maybe one of the reasons why we weren't were following him is because it was so easy. And when he quit fit, fit feeding us like we wanted, we're like, I'm out. It's a hard word, isn't it? See, food comes in all kinds of forms. Food comes in all kinds of forms in preferences. Well, I want you to do it like this when I say to do it. Well, that's not how Jesus works. I don't know if you've realized that. This is when people are like, I prayed about it, and he didn't come through, and so I left. Okay. But that's not how prayer works. And they got cut out in the painful process because I don't think a pastor properly prepared them. See, I told you I was, I was, I was bombing on the alliteration today, man. I mean, it just comes out. It's interesting. Gallup did a mental health study last year at the end of last year, which is a great year to do a mental health study, right? Gallup did a mental health study. You can go Google this and see it. I'm not lying. This is awesome. And they compared people's mental health from 2019 to 2020. Again, a good comparison, right? And they looked at all different kinds of things. Gender, males and females, both their mental health, how they rated themselves with mental health was down. Party identification, Republican, Independent, Democrat, all down from, from 2020, from 19 to 20. Race, doesn't matter what race, it was down. Marital status, didn't matter if you were married or single, your mental health was down. Age group, every age group they checked, every age group, mental health was down. Household income, every group, mental health was down. In this entire study, there was only one group of people whose mental health actually went up in 2020 from 2019. Want to know what group it was? This is not me saying this. this is a health study. It was those who attended religious service weekly. Those who attended religious service weekly. The only group in the entire study whose mental health was up and it was up by four points. From 2019, they rated it a 42. 2020 was a 46. 
Now think about that. See, you might just think I'm mad because people haven't shown up. No. I, I know. I'm not upset. I'm fighting for your joy. I'm fighting for your mental health. Now, again, we have a lot of people watching online. That is totally fine. If you have been consistently watching online every week since last March, praise God. Whether it's online or whether it's in person, our mental health is tied to whether or not we abide in the body of Christ. But yet this pandemic and this politics has cut out so many people. Again, this is where, and I laugh and it's not funny, but people talk about how the governments are taking away all their freedoms, but yet they're, they're free to come to church. They're free to tithe. They're free to tell their neighbor about Jesus. They're free to read their Bible and taken away any of that, but yet we don't do it. Why am I saying all this? Because I don't want you to turn back. I don't want you to be cut out, to be cut away from the fruit that you could have. Last couple verses, John 6, 66 through 69. Why am I saying this? So Jesus said to the 12, he turns to his core followers. He says, do you want to go away as well? Sometimes when you might think I get agitated, just read Jesus. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. You want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The title of my message today is To Whom Shall We Go? To Whom Shall We Go? You know, the best thing that we can do when we're making a decision to follow Christ is compare him. Do a comparative analysis. Compare Jesus and the words of Jesus to any other religious teacher, to any other political leader, to anybody else that you're going to pledge allegiance to. Compare him and his words to them. I dare you. I say this all the time. I'm not a Christian because my mom and my daddy, and my greasy granny were a Christian. They weren't. I'm a Christian because I came to the conclusion there's no one else. So who else am I going to go? And here's what I'm saying to you. Don't allow the pandemics or politics to turn your focus to anyone else because who else are you going to go to? To whom can you go? Who has the words of life? There's not one. There's not another Jesus. There's not another Christ. There's not another Messiah. There's not another Savior. Who else has words of eternal life? And I love how he says, Peter says, we have believed and we've come to know. You know, the whole point of the gospel of John is to believe. I told you that last week in John chapter 20. That's why it was written. Why would John write a whole book? Because he wants you to come to know who he knew. 
And that phrase there, come to know, is the Greek word gnosos, which is to know experientially. It, it means to know beyond just like knowledge. See, I know someone that I can read on the internet. I know them. I know about them. I know they exist. I don't know them. I'm not in relationship with them. And my fear is that 2020 has revealed there's a lot of people who just knew Jesus, just knew about him. Oh, they come to church. They're in a group, but they don't know him. Because the moment his words got too hard, they were out. But here's what I want you to understand when it comes to pruning and why I'm saying it like this. You want to know what's going to hold you in the painful pruning process? There's only one thing that's going to hold you. That his words will lead to more life. Because when you start going through hell, you better hold on to heaven. When you start going through it like we have been in the last 10 months, when everything in us is anxious, when everything in us is like, what is going on here? People are dying. People are falling out. Our country feels like it's crazy. Social unrest. What is going on? I think corporately God is doing what he always does to us personally, which is pruning. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know the Logos, the word of God, and if you don't know that that painful process that he's taking you through will lead to fruit and joy and life, then you will be like, I'm out. And I don't want that for you. I want you to abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus, stay with Jesus. See, the remnant as we talked about in Micah, the remnant are those who remain. And Revolution Church is going to have a remnant. We don't know who it is. I mean, our church may be bigger when we come back from this because everybody was watching online. They're like, hey, come on in person. Our church may be smaller after this. I don't know. But here's what I know. We'll have those that remained. Those that understood and endured the painful process that Jesus was doing and they will see fruit. So let me ask you a question. To, who, to whom are you going? To whom are you going to for life, for words? To whom are you believing and do you know? If it's not Jesus, you got no hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth about who Jesus is. The truth that Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the true vine. And God, none of us like this painful process. None of us. This is painful. We don't like training. We like winning. We don't like training. But God, I pray that today you would remind us 
that you're gonna tell us some things that are hard. You're gonna offend us with some things. We're gonna feel homeless in a lot of ways because our home is in you and in no one else. And God, if there's anybody here today who hasn't come to know Jesus, I pray that you would save them. That the truth about what Jesus said about his body and his blood was that they were broken and shed for their sins. And if they will eat on that, if they will receive that, then they'll be saved. No one looking around or talking here as we close, but if you've never trusted in Jesus, and, and, and hear what I'm saying, I'm not saying you've been around Jesus, you heard his words, you've been in church. I'm saying, have you trusted Jesus? Have you come to the conclusion that there is no one else you can go to who has the words of eternal life? If that hasn't happened, then that can happen today. So whether you're watching online or in person, if you want to trust Jesus for the first time, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud. And it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me enough that you sent Jesus to save me from my sin. I confess I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me, save me. I'm trusting in Jesus alone. Thank you for loving me. Now, if you're in one of our locations and you just prayed that, would you just simply lift up your hand so we can see that? Thank you. We got men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand. When they do, you can put your hand down. In just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to text us your information. Please tell us who you are, whether it's online or in person, so we know who you are and can follow up with you. But then all of us, let's commit again. You don't need to be saved again. You don't even need to rededicate. You, you just need to commit and say, Lord, I'm all in even though the process is painful. I'll let you say whatever hard thing you need to say to me. And I won't turn back as to who else can I go. You alone have the words of eternal life. God, I pray for our church. God, this is such a weird time, and I get it. And God, we're disconnected and we're distant. And, and I know we had a social distance and we got a physical distance, but God, help us not to be distant from you or from your body, the church. Help us to work through whatever weirdness we need to work through. Help us to, to keep fighting, to keep working, to not give up in this process. Because if we don't, then we will grow fruit. So God, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough for choosing the painful process because we would have never chose it ourselves. And we do ask you to prune what you need to prune, the dead parts of us that need to go. Offend us with whatever you need to offend us with. As we abide in your word, would you work through the spirit in us to change us? 
And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.